This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The one-year anniversary of the Capitol riot. Hey guys, I've been in the other room. Listen to me. People should probably coordinate together if you're going to take this building. The terror and trauma of that day won't soon be forgotten. And joining us on this episode is Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to talk about what was learned. It is very important to equip our partners in law enforcement, to equip communities, to equip the American public with information. That did not happen prior to January 6th of last year. But since he's been in the job, a change has taken place. We have issued more than 80 bulletins focused on the domestic violent extremist threat. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. A year after the January 6th riot at the Capitol, it's still not clear how it was organized and how intelligence and law enforcement officials failed to detect it. But there were three key elements that have emerged. Number one, there were angry people determined to be heard. Second, and perhaps most importantly, there was a catastrophic breakdown of the U.S. intelligence sharing system. The domestic intelligence architecture that was set up really after 9-11 was no longer functioning the way it should have. Brian Murphy, who was acting undersecretary of Homeland Security for intelligence analysis at the time, said it happened because some top DHS officials wanted it to. Leaders that were in place throughout government that President Donald Trump had put in there. They populated the Department of Homeland Security, and I've heard from others that they were in the FBI and some other places as well. Murphy himself said he was pressed not to make a big deal of any kind of intelligence that dealt with Russia, and that is the third key element. Without question, the the hand of a number of foreign actors were at play there. At the top of that list is Russia. So on this episode of Target USA, we talk about all of this with Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Secretary Mayorkas, um, it's been a year. We're at at the year point after the January 6th riots uh, at the Capitol. And I'm wondering first if you would tell us where security stands in the nation as we we look back at that day and look forward. Uh, JJ, I would um, answer that in two parts, if I may. Uh, Number one, um, Uh, Though we do not have any specific credible threats with respect to uh, January 6th of 2022, the threat environment uh, remains of tremendous concern. Domestic violent extremists continue to pose one of the greatest threats, uh, terrorist-related threats uh, in our homeland. At the same time, we in the Department of Homeland Security have done so much more than what was done Uh, in the past. We are sharing information uh, with state, local, 
law enforcement at an unprecedented level. We are funding local communities at an unprecedented level so that they have the capability to, uh, with the information we provide, uh, to prevent uh, any threats from materializing. We're in a very different posture than we were one year ago. And may I follow up on that question and ask you, what do you what do you believe is driving this fervent DVE or domestic violent extremist um, effort to continue to engage in that kind of behavior, maybe even repeat what we saw last year? I, I think there are a, a number of different sources. Uh, one um, is um, a continued um, uh, dissemination, a continued uh, spread of ideologies of hate. Another is a continued spread of false information, of false narratives, like um, the false narrative that the 2020 election was stolen. And on that point, I think what is fueling these false narratives and these ideologies of hate are the words of individuals and specifically the words of leaders that matter so very much. And the fact that these words are spread so rapidly and so widely on social media platforms, that's what makes the threat so challenging and why the work we have done over this last year to share information, to analyze the information, to uh, be operationally prepared for any threat that is presented and to practice and to drill so that our partners know how to respond should a threat materialize. That's why what we've done is so very important. You know, you really have done some extremely good work. And considering the short time that you've been there, uh, and the reason I say that uh, is because I was talking with an individual who used to be uh, a part of the intelligence apparatus at DHS back during that time. In fact, uh, he said to me, you know, he and his role uh, as the uh, acting undersecretary of, of intelligence analysis said that there was pressure inside DHS. And let me just be clear, DHS does an amazing job. There are amazing people that work there. But he said that there there was pressure inside of DHS at the time from some of his superiors not to focus or to bring any attention to anything that had to do with Russia, anything that had to do with domestic violent extremists. How did you manage to, to fix all that? Because there apparently were people inside DHS that didn't necessarily want the intelligence sharing system to work the way it was supposed to. JJ, I, I think there's a very fundamental point here. Uh, our workforce is extraordinary. Our workforce is extraordinary. Our people are extraordinary in the Department of Homeland Security because of their talent and their dedication to mission. And it is my obligation to ensure that they ha- are working, that they're applying their talent, that they're executing their dedication in an environment that is free of politics and is focused on mission. And that is what I have done. Well, it's obviously working. So, um, 
couple things about the lessons learned. Can you share what lessons have been learned since last year, uh, since rather since earlier, uh, since you've been in office? What lessons have you learned? Uh, so I, I think we've learned a, a great deal, and it touches upon some of the things that uh, you and I have already uh, discussed. It is very important to equip our partners in law enforcement, to equip communities, to equip the American public with information so that they understand um, what is happening around them and what could materialize and become a threat. And that is why, for example, every single day we are speaking with our partners somewhere in this country to share information with them. We have issued more than 80 bulletins. Pardon me. Pardon me, JJ. Sure. We have issued more than 80 bulletins focused on the domestic violent extremist threat in the in the less than one year that I have been in office. And that equips people with the information they need. And then we share with them how to detect when someone fueled by a false narrative, fueled uh, by an ideology of hate, even fueled by a personal grievance, is beginning to show signs of descending into violence because because it's the connectivity between that false narrative, between that ideology of hate, between that personal grievance and violence that prompts us to action. We are, of course, a country built on a First Amendment principle of free speech. So it is not the speech, it is not the expression, the peaceful expression of speech, however offensive, that we in the Department of Homeland Security are focused on, but it's connectivity to violence and putting information in the hands of people, teaching them how to detect when somebody is exhibiting signs that could lead to violence. That is what we have done over this past year and what is so important to continue to do. So looking at one of the things that's also a part of this, uh, and you know, this is something that I've discovered in doing the work to research and investigate what took place. There was a significant, according to a number of sources that I've spoken to, there was a significant foreign hand at play in the run-up to this, this, this riot and all of the activities that took place uh, on January 6th, namely from Russia. Um, is that still a, a problem? Is that still a factor? And how are you handling that if it is? JJ, we have a, we have a divide in this country and uh, adversaries seek to fill that divide. They seek to fill that divide with the false information, the spread of the false narratives, wherever they might have begun. They seek to exploit our vulnerabilities. And so we really, as a matter of our security, our safety, our strength, our prosperity, we have to close this divide. We can have our differences. We, we always have our political disagreements, our different approaches to policy, but we all uh, have our views in the service of our country. We have to come together. The threat 
that our adversaries pose, our foreign adversaries pose, remain. Their exploitation of our divide continues. So this question I'd like to ask you about confronting and dealing with that. The U.S. government and DHS, from even back when you were deputy um, uh, uh, secretary of Homeland Security, um, working with uh, former Secretary Jay Johnson, I covered you and followed you then. You were dealing with that then. It seems as though this threat is evolving and uh, every threat evolves. You know this. You've said this many times, but it's evolving and it seems to be maybe getting a leg up here because one of the things that I'm really wondering about is have we've learned some lessons, but are they being put in play here? Are we still as a country distracted, too distracted to see what next is coming from these adversaries? JJ, I think the the, the threat that existed when when we first spoke uh, remains. I, I will say that, and it goes back to what we shared a, a moment ago, our response to it has changed. We are stronger. We are more informed. Our analyses are sharpened. Our operational posture is better prepared. Uh, and that is our responsibility to be better today than we were yesterday and to be better tomorrow than we are today. And we're fulfilling that responsibility. What keeps you up at night? Everything. Anything particular at the top of that list or close to it? You know, my fundamental responsibility is to support the incredible men and women of the Department of Homeland Security who dedicate their lives, their careers to the safety and security of the American people. It is the safety and security of the American people that is of my, my greatest priority. Um, and the threats that we face keep me up thinking about what can we do to be better in serving the American people and confronting that threat. You know, what we've talked about today, the idea that there are threats out there and they're, they're coming from everywhere at all times. The, the question I'd like to ask you on that note, uh, Mr. Secretary, is do you have everything you need to fight those threats? You know, they're they're. I know that there are positions unfilled in the government, there, there are budget squabbles on the Hill, there are disagreements on the Hill, all at the same time when these threats continue to seemingly fire hose at the U.S. Do you have everything you need? And if you don't, what do you need? So, so J.J., you know, um, we have an extraordinary workforce. Um, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, positions that are not filled uh, vacancies. You mentioned uh, budget uh, uh, squabbles. You know, um, we uh, we can use uh, more funding, and we're seeking it uh, from Congress. We we need a budget rather than a continuing resolution. We need to fill our vacancies. Um, uh, but I'm incredibly proud of what we accomplish with what we have. And um, that is uh, actually what uh, allows me uh, uh, to, to rest with great pride in those moments uh, of rest that we can catch in between uh, the labor that we do on behalf of the American people. All right, so the last thing I'll ask you is, um, you know, in some ways, hopefully, 
January 6th comes, we turn a new leaf, we turn a new page, we put this behind us, albeit, you know, the investigations are still underway and that's going to take a while. But um, there are new challenges out there. And I'm wondering, can you tell me what some of the new challenges are? Um, what haven't we talked about that you're concerned about that need to be addressed, needs to be addressed? So um, let me let me answer a, a little bit uh, to supplement my answer to your prior question. And it touches upon the answer to your current one. One of the things that I'm looking at, uh, JJ, very carefully with my colleagues is how we can harness technological advances uh, to, um, to further uh, our mission. And um, whether it's artificial intelligence or other developments, that's one thing that we're very focused on, always mindful, of course, of civil rights and civil liberties and the rights of privacy. And <clears throat> your, your, your question prompted that supplement because one of the things that we're very focused on is the, the threat of cybersecurity. Uh, and how that is rapidly evolving, how um, it knows no boundaries, how the level of sophistication and the attacks we are confronting um, uh, is advancing, how um, accessible it is in, in replicating a harm. This is what I think people um, need to understand that unlike a Unlike a, a robbery, a, a bank robbery that I used to prosecute where someone actually has to go into one bank and then go into another. Um, in the cyber uh, domain, if one has been able to penetrate a business, it's only uh, another business be only a click away. And that individual could be across the world uh, working at his or her uh, computer with great facility. And it's, um, it's not a new threat, but it's a rapidly growing and rapidly evolving threat. And I think uh, we are increasingly focused on that. And President Biden's leadership in prioritizing this mission set has been of tremendous help in advancing our cybersecurity as a nation. Okay. Well, is there anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you again. Thank you. That's Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Coming up in our next episode, we'll dig a little bit deeper into what more has been learned about the January 6th riot, what caused it, and what's been learned after that can be put in place to prevent it from happening again. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey guys, Jay Cutler. Starting a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. 
Most of you know me from the NFL, some of you have seen me on Instagram, and some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, trending topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life, former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.